weekend, our holy days, when we celebrate the lives and legacies of our grandmaster teachers. From December through January is when a huge number of our scholastic heroes were born or ascended. Everyone from Dr. John Henry Clark to Dr. Ben to Dr. Francis Crest Welsing to Dr. King and others. Today, for instance, is the birthday of Dr. Chancellor Williams. He was one of our greatest, and his seminal work, The Destruction of Black Civilization, is a must-read. You can get it on Amazon, by the way. Most likely, you can also get it through your local library. But however you get his works, you need to read it. Knowledge is power, and we must acknowledge and remember those who gave us the game. To win a war, you have to know what you're fighting against and what you're fighting for. And it was our legends like Dr. Chancellor Williams who taught us both. So today, we salute the memory of Dr. Chancellor Williams for inspiring us to follow in his footsteps. Rest in power. Speaking of legacy and putting in work for the next generation, that's pretty much the theme of today's Moment of Truth. It must be Christmas time. Around this time of year, I notice a lot of comments that I get from people who suddenly start wanting me to do a video essay calling out the black baby boomers, or as many of you call them, Generation Fail. I've noticed a lot of comments in the last 10 days or so about that very subject. I don't know if some of y'all didn't get the Xbox or flat screen TV you were hoping for, or if Mama Jessie was rude to you at Thanksgiving dinner or what have you, but something seems to have happened. I guess it's because this is the time of year when a lot of folks are most likely to be in close proximity to these people. And from what I've observed and personally experienced, when you wait for people to change, especially old people, you'll be waiting a long time. So I don't know what to tell you. Obviously, we don't have elders in the black community. All we have are a bunch of old people in our midst. Now, it would be easy for me to bring the olders in for a spanking, but I think we need to connect their behavior to a far larger, far worse malady that's plaguing us. All too often, people try to take refuge inside of delusions and imagination, especially when they're trying to avoid taking accountability for something. The word delusional comes from the root word delude. Now, the word delude comes from the Latin ludere, which means to play. So when somebody says you played yourself, they're basically saying you're deluded. Magical thinking is what people do when they've given up, but they don't want to have to admit they've given up. Now, let me say in advance that this morning's briefing is going to be uncomfortable at some points, but we have to talk about this. We need to discuss things like legacy and inheritance, but do it from a variety of angles, because the problem is a lot bigger than just the baby boomers. Brother Tariq talked the other day about plebiscite babble, people who did absolutely nothing to forward reparations, people who were saying reparations would never happen, and that we need to focus on status, correction, etc. instead. And that notion is ridiculous on its face, because these white supremacists have never honored a single contract they've signed, never kept their word, or upheld a single agreement that they've entered into. From the Treaty of Versailles to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaties to hell, their basic trade agreements, they always get broken. So why does anyone seriously think that the same people who don't keep their word to one another will suddenly discover religion and begin keeping their word to us? The problem is not that we haven't identified ourselves the right way. The problem is we refuse to identify ourselves at all. We allow black to simply be a subset of a color or minority. And in the process, we made it okay to ignore us. On a side note, it's no surprise that the same people who were talking about status correction are also the same people who tried to claim that with the right paperwork, you can receive modest discounts at certain stores, like these big box home improvement stores. 
I've actually seen videos of people saying that, by the way. Tell me, what sounds more like liberation to you? The people who are telling you to get fight and get free, or the people who are telling you how to save a couple of bucks off your next purchase at the Home Depot? Unfortunately, memories are short. A lot of people have forgotten what things were like before the new voices of black media came to prominence. Before we rose to the forefront, there was a whole lot of dumb Negro battle going on, especially in the early aughts. That's what passed for black discourse. The state of our internal dialogue was in the toilet. We had a bunch of half-brain hucksters, two-bit con men, and professional BS artists who called themselves conducting lectures, quote-unquote. Except all they did was to stand in front of a chalkboard and spout gibberish. These people were imposters, trying to steal the legacy of the real grandmaster teachers, like Dr. John Henry Clark, Dr. Joseph Benyakin, and Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, Dr. Chancellor Williams, Dr. Renoka Rashidi, and others. People who apparently were too lazy to read the Bible and didn't have enough integrity to try to be a preacher man hustler. So instead, they were spouting New Age, Eastern mysticism mumbo-jumbo. All that nonsense about chakras and kundalini energy and status correction and other knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing stupidity came out of that group of frauds who were running around 15 to 20 years ago or so. And I don't want to hear anyone saying, Oh, Professor Truth, you and you, other black empowerment types, y'all are so harsh. Let me tell you something. When a group of people are serious about their power, they don't make it a habit to suffer fools gladly. No other group decides to make excuses for allowing every Tom, Dick, and Harry with a mouth and a dumb opinion to throw in their two cents. No other group allows their community to be some sort of ideological big tent. Instead, it's a regimented army. You get in line and you toe the line and that's the end of it. But not us. We keep making excuses to allow every chucklehead to chime in on the issue no matter how foolish they clearly may be. We're determined to have some sort of big tent. Well, as I've always taught you, the only thing a big tent is good for is a circus. And for too doggone long, we've been three rings, and it's time to shut this show down. Chaos is far easier than order. People with no power have a tough time maintaining order, so there's a lot of openings for the bottom feeders. And in the absence of a counter-movement of real thought leaders, the dregs of our group will start causing problems, and they'll peel off a lot of people simply by virtue of the fact that there's a vacuum. Institutions are what maintains knowledge and traditions. And what is an institution? It's a group of people who have come together in order to preserve and promote a set of ideas or ideals. This is why institutions like religion are so rigid when it comes to their doctrine. They call anyone who doesn't repeat the scriptures exactly as they're written a heretic. But the defense of ideas and ideals only works when you have a group of people who are committed to those ideas and who will not betray them. Now, in order for that to work for the long haul, you have to have a succession of people who are part of that institution. You have to have a group of senior advocates for the institution, but also they have to be cultivating a junior group of advocates as well who will take their place. Why did this not happen for us? Simply put, lack of resources. It takes resources to build an institution and to perpetuate it. When you look at white powers institutions, they have the money to build them, to bring in capable people to administer them, and to have robust recruitment efforts to make sure the institutions remain in existence. New blood is constantly brought in, and these new recruits will remain dedicated to whatever ideals the institution was founded on. When our grandmaster teachers began to pass away, we didn't have the institutions in place ready to bring to prominence the successors. 
So in stepped these loud talking charlatans instead. And since there wasn't any real group of people in any place anymore to say otherwise, folks began to gravitate towards these hucksters and they began believing in fairy tales and legalistic schemes which were blatantly false in their face, but what else could they do? There's a hard reality that we in the grassroots need to understand. Human nature is not constituted in such a way as to allow us to believe in nothing. If you deprive a group of people of knowledge, especially knowledge of their own interest, then rather than choose to believe in nothing, they will believe in anything. So a number of the people you've seen running their mouths are the same people who we had banished to irrelevance years ago. And here they are trying to give themselves a new lease on life. But that's how these imposters live. They try to find whatever parade seems to be the largest, and then they try to jump out in front of it and pretend to be the band major. But how did they come to even have the small followings they managed to get? The truth of the matter is, and here's where we come back to the black baby boomers, a lot of black people of all ages like to engage in magical thinking. People listen to these charlatans for a long time, even though they produce nothing, because these guys weren't taking us anywhere. They weren't talking about reparations or even white supremacy. They were talking about elevating your chakras. The only way you can believe that status correction stuff is if you believe that these white supremacists have some inherent sense of fair play. You're depending on them to keep their word to you. There's another form of magical thinking closely related to the first, religion. Now, let me say from the outset, I'm not opposed to people having faith or praying to a deity. Dr. John Henry Clark said it best, we all need a form of spirituality, even if it's not organized religion. And he was right. But what we don't need is for people to allow religion to become a crutch for all the things that we don't want to have to do for ourselves. The biggest problem that's come out of black people's hyper-reliance on religion is the idea of all of one's sins being washed away by some third party who doesn't really require anything from you. That's basically a get-out-of-jail-or-get-out-of-your-responsibility-free card. That's how a lot of folks have been using it. Too many times, black people use religion as a way to sanctify and validate their own failings or cowardice. In other words, instead of saying, I meant to do that, they will say, Jesus meant for me to do that. Or they will say, Allah meant for me to do that, or whatever deity you believe in. This malady is particularly bad among the older set, though. There's a reason why the black baby boomers are one of the last groups still regularly found in church. They didn't fight when they were young, and now that they're old, they're just looking for a comfortable place to retire permanently. The same people who were only concerned about getting a job at the plant back in the 60s and 70s, or who thought they could coast off of government programs like welfare, food stamps, etc., are looking at a world where the people they trusted are now targeting them. As I've always told you, there's no substitute for power, and that begins with power over your own life. Only about a handful of black people will be able to farm that one out to their employers, and no black people will be able to farm it out to a government program or some deity in the sky. And trying to hide behind religion is bogus. The day of charismatic miracles is over, okay? All of that burning bush stuff, handwriting on the wall, that was then, this is now. I want you to think about every time that some great thing came into your life, some moment when you said that God was moving, etc., it didn't just fall out of the sky, whatever it was. It was the result of a person that you met or otherwise came into contact with, directly or indirectly. Justice isn't going to come in the form of God opening up the earth and swallowing the bad guys. It comes in the form of people who allow themselves to be the vessels of that change.
And to the black baby boomers in particular, I won't say that all of you have been on the BS, but the sad truth is the vast majority are. You don't go from the progress we made in the 60s to everything coming to a dead halt in the mid-70s and beyond without there having been a generational failure. We had a generation who decided to become the black equivalent of Peter Pan. They thought they'd never grow old and were determined to never grow up. And so the hard-fought victories of the silent generation were thrown away by their children. And, lest anyone try to claim that I'm being overly harsh, keep in mind, these black baby boomers, they've had the tough questions put to them by their children and grandchildren, that is, Generation X and the Millennials. These days, we got the Zoomers doing the same thing. Not surprisingly, they couldn't give any answers because it humiliated them to do so. When a baby or a small child is asked a question that they don't want to answer, they give one of three responses. They throw a tantrum, they cry out of helplessness trying to get sympathy, or they just fall completely silent. When a child throws a tantrum, they should be punished. When a child cries to get sympathy, you should give them none. Never do anything for a child just because they cry for it. And if the child suddenly falls silent, you send them to their room. And the same goes for these olders out here. And it happens with all ages, but particularly bad among the black baby boomers. When they throw a tantrum, they lose credibility and are ignored. When they cry to get sympathy or claim you're being hard on them, you tell them stop whining. And if they do the silent treatment thing, then tell them they should never speak ever again. And if they try to, give them a pacifier. You act like a baby, you should be treated as one. I've had many arguments and debates with people, both online and in person. And one of the recurring failings from a lot of people is resorting to magical thinking. That's a slave mentality. During slavery, a lot of black people were reduced to attributing whatever little good came into their lives to the white slave masters because apparently God preferred to distribute his blessings through a racist satyr slavery for a lot of black people. The blessings came in the form of a white employer or in the case of most of our single mothers, programs from the white government. Now, when you engage in magical thinking, you're not really trying to engage with the issues facing you. In fact, you're trying to do the opposite. You're trying to dismiss them. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. But for a lot of black people, they just ignore the first part. The black baby boomers are now finding out too late that what they thought would be their safe place under white supremacy turned out to be the most dangerous place of all. I cannot give any sympathy for that. They made choices. They chose to do nothing as white power gathered its forces against their children. And now they've seen their lives go from sunrise to sunset, and they have nothing to show for it. And while nobody expected the black baby boomers to do everything to topple white supremacy, the sad truth is they're making excuses for the fact that they chose to do nothing at all. And they try to sanctify it by claiming that they did so much for their own children. That's just not true. You know, Dr. Claude Anderson talked about that. The lies and phony talking points that the baby boomers in the black community have used to try to justify betraying their own children. As a group, they chose to leave their heirs with no inheritance. In a world of competition where everyone else will have things made for them as they grow up, or at the very least have things left to them after their parents' deaths, this puts one's children at a distinct disadvantage. And to try to make this betrayal sound pious by claiming they left their children a good mind or good lessons or etc. In other words, they left their children nothing. A good mind won't feed your child or put a roof over their heads. And good lessons won't stop white supremacy from attacking them either. They need resources for that. A child's inheritance is more than just their genes. This is something the black baby boomers don't like to talk about. 
part of a child's inheritance is also the physical and material things that are passed down from one generation to the next. You call that legacy. But the black baby boomers don't like hearing about that one at all because it reminds them of their own selfishness. You can teach people about economics till eternity, but the lessons are meaningless unless they have some capital to use to start a business. And the more they have to work with, the more room for error they'll have. That's crucial in a world of hyper-competition. They need every advantage they can get. Whatever happens, they should never be starting from zero. But that only matters if the well-being of the next generation is important to their parents. That's why Sylvester Stallone is raising all that hell about Rocky. When he wrote that movie, he had to sign the rights over to the studio. But the producer of the movie, Irwin Winkler, at some point managed to get the studio to give him the rights to the Rocky franchise. And even Stallone had to admit he had no idea how that could have happened. But it did. Stallone has money. He's been paid millions and millions in acting fees from all the films he's starred in over the decades. And he still gets residuals from all those movies, too. So it's not like Sylvester Stallone, of all people, is hurting for money. But he went ahead and talked about something openly that you don't hear a lot of black folks, especially the black baby boomers, talking about at all. He said the reason that he's so angry with Erwin Winkler and why he doesn't want to have any part to do with Rocky if Erwin Winkler is, is because of his children's legacy. Stallone said that he wants to ensure that even after he dies, he's still able to take care of his children. And the rights to Rocky happens to be a key part of that. You see, for the people who actually did the work of providing for their heirs, they don't rely on prayers or trusting that their kids will have good minds. Stallone knows that this world runs on material resources, and the fastest way to ensure that any bloodline comes to an end is to deprive the heirs of resources. Remember, that's the most common way that genocides are carried out, through resource deprivation. Our problem as a group is that every generation is forced to start from zero. A large part of that is that we're under constant attack from white power. This is what happened in the decades following the Civil War and Reconstruction. This wicked racist government and the corporate interests that it's fostered work hand in hand to undermine our opportunities and to strip us of whatever we may gain. Now that's the truth. It's the crux of the reason why reparations are required. But the failure of black people resorting to magical thinking to cover up for their shortcomings or refusal to operate in the real world, that's equally to blame. The individuals who are suddenly popping up out of the woodwork, screaming in front of the cameras, they don't surprise me, though I am disgusted. This is part of why we stay on the necks of the roly-polies and the Agent DuVernay's and these other bootlicks. We don't want people forgetting what these clowns have done to harm our interests. See, for decades, the white media has had a bunch of professional do-nothing agents like Big Bird and the rest of those clowns over at Encobra, oh yeah, a bunch of black baby boomers, talking about reparations. They were simply there as controlled opposition to calm you and me down and tell us that, oh, I had a luncheon with, with Nancy Pelosi, and we talked about it, it was a good, good discussion, and I had Kamala Harris in my studio, and I asked her about reparations, she said, hell no, and I, I well, I, I let it go, because, you know, we, we got to get them reelected. That's the kind of advocacy that we've had, which is none whatsoever. And it is important that people know who it was who was doing this. If we don't remind you, then they will stick their heads back up again. And if we don't make an issue out of their treachery, then people will assume that whatever they did must not have been very bad. And the next thing you know, they're standing out in front of some cameras pretending to speak for you and me. We cut the heads off the Hydra. 
but it also falls to us to make sure that this beast doesn't reconstitute itself again. And I don't care who doesn't want to hear it. If we don't want to repeat our tragic history, then we had better be honest about our past, about how it happened, and who did it. Good day, and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Lisa Cabrera, Detroit Beauty Supply, Joel Bullen, Darlette Hall, and Brian Walton. Salute to them, and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. Family and fellow soldiers, I'm the professor, and this is the moment of truth. The murder to claim that justice has been done. At the very least, we can say that something was done. Aaron Dean, who murdered Tatiana Jefferson, was convicted, and yesterday the murderer was given an 11-plus year sentence in prison. And that number is significant. The white media was reporting that, well, if he gets 10 years or less, the, the judge would have the discretion to give him probation. They were putting that out, the white media putting that out there hard. They wanted the word to get back to the jurors. See, the jurors were not sequestered. So they were going home at night, so basically the judge was just saying, oh, y'all, stay away from any news reports, et cetera, et cetera. The white media knows that they would be hearing about this, so the idea was put that out there. Well, okay, okay, you convicted him. You weren't supposed to do that, but... Since you convicted him, go ahead and give him 10 years or less, and the judge can just say probation. And see, you can say, well, we convicted him, so you niggers need to just calm down. See, that's why it took so long for the jury to come back with the sentence. You know that there was a people in that deliberation room who were trying to demand a lighter sentence. Say, well, let's give him 10 years or less. But in this case, the idiots couldn't hold. The prosecution wanted to limit the number of years Dean got, so they steered the jury to a manslaughter conviction instead of murder, which is what he should have gotten. The prosecutors could read the tea leaves. They saw where things had been going for the last few years, especially after the Amber Geiger murder trial. They knew they couldn't save this creep from conviction because even in Texas, the idea of someone being killed in their own home gets a visceral reaction. This bastard was guilty as hell. The postponements and the endless delays simply gave Dean and his racist supporters false hope that he might beat the rap. But the only thing that got beaten was him. And the circumstances of this conviction make it especially bitter for the back-the-badge crowd. Three years ago, Amber Geiger got only five years for murdering an unarmed black man in his own apartment. But yesterday, Aaron Dean was sentenced to 11 years plus after he murdered an armed black woman in her own home. And that just messes with these white supremacists no end. He and his defense team of Cletuses and Enuses thought that screaming she had a gun would get him off, but it didn't. Dean had a choice when it came to sentencing. He could choose whether to be sentenced by the judge or by the jury. He chose to be sentenced by the jury. What he was hoping for was that the jury would give him a low sentence, they'd go light on him, and then the judge would say, well, he got less than 10 years, so time served, probation, etc. And after that, we would have Jeffrey Jerkum Tubin on CNN, or his equivalent on MSNBC, lecturing us all that, well, that's just the law, that's just the way, that's just the law. Notice how nobody ever says that whenever the police are getting indicted, and police are getting put away, police are getting convicted, nobody says, well, that's the law, that's the law. Nobody's on cable telling the police that, well, regardless of whether you like the verdict or not, that's the law. They're not saying that. Oh, they were telling that to black people for the longest time. And then the tide turned. Nobody in the white media is saying that juries just don't trust the police. That's what they were saying before. Well, juries just trust the police. You know, that's what they just trust the police. 
Ain't nobody saying that now. Because the white media's job as the propaganda arm of white supremacy is to support and run interference for the enforcement arm, the police. Dean thought that the jury was going to go light on him. Now he sees he should have gone with the judge. Though I'm pretty sure that's not a position these judges want to be in. Right now, nobody's focused on the judges specifically. So when the juries come back with a light sentence like, say, manslaughter, this gives the judges cover so that they can say, oh, well, the jury said um, a light sentence of six months probation. The jury gives the judges cover, cover that the judges need. If the cops begin demanding bench trials, then what's going to happen is the judges are going to have to bear the entire burden of throwing the case. And that's not something that the judges are eager to sign up for. You see, a rigged court is like an insurance fraud case. It works best if everyone is in on it at every level. If you're trying to put it off on one person in particular, if you try to do a solo act, well, that person gets caught immediately because they have no way to conceal their involvement. Everybody knows exactly what's wrong and who's doing it. So you need other people to help take some of the burden off you. That way, the blame is distributed up and down the line, and you can't quite zero in on who it is. Now remember, as more and more of these thugs with badges continue getting their backs put to the wall, they will eventually have to resort to bench trials. Now the judges aren't going to like that because it's going to make them targets of the public's anger. And as we saw with now former Judge Aaron Persky, the judges are only too aware that they are not untouchable. Lies are running thin, and they're not working. Notice how we haven't heard about qualified immunity in a while? Yeah, it's been a long while since the white media tried to drag up that talking point. Neither the courts nor the legislatures have done anything about qualified immunity. There's been no changes of any sort on that issue. And yet the police are finally being held regularly to account and regularly being thrown in prison where they belong. I think it's safe to say that the white media's narrative about how the problem was qualified immunity, that was a lie and a sham. At this point, the white media doesn't even dare to mention qualified immunity anymore. You know, they're not going to get any more traction out of that talking point. It's like I've always told you, the enemy is defeated when they're silent. When you don't hear anything from them, that's them giving up the admission, okay, now nah, we're beat. That whole phony conversation around qualified immunity, that was just an empty talking point from the white media. It was meant to give the prosecutors cover for when they don't bring charges or for when they deliberately mislead and steer these juries toward either an acquittal or some sort of low sentence. That's what qualified immunity was meant to do. It was meant to give a quasi-legal justification for what they knew was just a rigged court, a crooked DA and a crooked judge. That's all it was meant to do. The white media knew what they were saying was a pack of lies, but they also knew that the public hadn't gotten tough with the police corruption yet. But that started to change about 2015 or so, and it reached its zenith with the uprisings of 2020. See, the enemy is heavy into trends. They're heavy into watching what the trend line is, where things are going. That's what Richard Spencer said. Where's the trend going? Well, the trend has gone from the police can't be arrested to the police can be arrested, but only after a massive public outcry, to then, well, the grand jury, you see, the grand juries don't want to indict. What can you do? The grand jury the grand jury. And then when the grand juries begin to indict, well, it's the trial juries. The trial juries don't want to punish the police too harshly, you see. That's because they just trust the police, don't you know? But now the police are being convicted regularly, and the sentences are getting harder and harder. That's the trend. And that's why you got all these white supporters online, many of them who claim that they were in police departments. That's why they're getting all mad and scared now. 
because they know that what happened with Aaron Dean and the rest of these crooks could just as easily be them. They've been engaged in the exact same type of dirt. So, of course, these guys, they know that that could be their next on the chopping block next. Now, we need to start asking questions about these people who are online posting this garbage. What's their service jackets looking like? Time to dig under some of their fingernails, because I'm pretty sure we find some dirt pretty fast. We'll continue with the moment of truth in just a moment, but first, a word from the official sponsor of Black Empowerment, Power Tools. There's no telling when something's going to come up, so make sure you carry your power tools at all times. You never know when you're going to need to bring the hammer down, or when you'll have some trash that needs to be blown away, or some obstacle that requires cutting down. Don't get caught empty-handed. Keep your hammer close by. Keep that leaf blower at the ready, and always carry your steel. Power tools, because no matter what your day job or side hustle may be, there's no excuse for not being ready to put in some work. Now, where the trend stands presently is that the police are being convicted, but the sentences are not hard enough. That is the next step. We must continue to apply the pressure. The enemy is being pushed back hard. They're taking losses but we have to keep our foot on their necks. Amy Potter thought that she could go ahead and get away with murder. She just said, well, I confused my gun with my taser, and she figured she could go ahead and kill a black person, but she didn't. And the look on her face when that all-white jury convicted her, that said it all. They're looking and going, man, we, we, we can't even come out on these juries, not even a white jury. We can't even depend on it. Sure, we might get away with it once every blue moon, but it's no longer a guarantee anymore. The police's lies are getting knocked down. They're being deprived of their talking points and their would-be legal defenses. Before they even walk into a courtroom, they already know. You're not going to be able to claim that you were scared for your life. That ain't going to work. You're not going to be able to claim, well, I confused my gun with my taser. That ain't going to work. They're being deprived of their lies. They've got nowhere to go except straight to prison. You see, what these guys were hoping would happen is that there would be public fatigue with having to go ahead and do the hard work of making sure the thugs with badges get punished. That's what they were counting on. Well, if we just try to slow walk this thing, the public is going to give up on it. They'll get tired of it. They'll move on to something else. This is just a passing phase that the society is going through. We just got to outlast the storm and people will start to forget. They'll move on, especially when they see that these DAs aren't going to indict Especially when they see, okay, the system's rigged and it's obvious the prosecutors are dirty as hell and, you know, oh, the, the fix is in. The people would just give up when they see that the bad guys aren't going to budge. That's what they thought would happen. But it didn't. Instead, the bad guys are the ones who gave, not the public. Now, are the punishments enough? Of course not. Police should be first degree everything whenever they get charged. They assault someone, that's supposed to be first degree assault. And when they kill someone, that's supposed to be an automatic murder one. Oh, by the way, on a side note, Aaron Dean's sister took the stand at his sentencing, and she says she's also a police officer in Dallas. Yeah, the same Dallas where Amber Geiger murdered Botham John. So the dumb doesn't fall far from the tree. That little heifer needs to be looked at, too. After all, psychopathologies like the kind Aaron Dean has tend to be genetic. He's a diagnosed narcissist who shouldn't have had a gun and a badge to begin with, and the chances are fair to mingling his sister is no different. It's certainly worth looking into. So we're not letting up on the bad guys, and we're also not going to be letting up 
on their would-be helpers and accomplices. You have these black feminists and other phonies who have forgotten all about a Tatiana Jefferson because they don't want to talk about her. Because to talk about a Tatiana Jefferson and about who murdered her, well, that would spoil the intersectional swirler delusions that these feminists have. And speaking of delusions, Joe Biden's going to begin campaigning for re-election within the next six to eight months or so. Now, when he does, he will, of course, predictably pretend as if he's been doing things for police reform. He talks about, I've been doing things for police reform. He's going to talk about his empty, meaningless executive order, which only applies to federal police agencies. In other words, the very type of police that black people have the least contact with, which means that it will have the least effect. And that's the point. And it's an executive order, which is Joe Biden never got tired of reminding people why executive orders can get overturned by the very next president who takes office. So that's the reason why he made sure any sort of police reform I'm going to do is going to be an executive order. That way it won't last very long, won't do very much. So when Biden goes on the campaign trail for re-election and gives his lies claiming that he did some police reform, you just make sure to remind everybody how Biden sent his inspector general to the Supreme Court to argue that the Miranda warning should no longer be mandatory during a police arrest. That's what Biden actually did when it came to police. Oh, he did police reform all right. He made it with the thugs with badges, got reinforcement straight from the White House. See, white power relies on the enforcement arm to coerce or kill people in order to force them to go along with immoral and often unconstitutional laws. When you have a corrupt and putrid social order, people won't go along with it naturally. They have to be forced to do it. And this is the case in the U.S. because organized white power knows that they cannot do whatever they want unless they have a reliable gang of thugs in place to force everyone to not try to stop them or object to them. They must have the credible threat of violence behind their corruption. That's the only way that it can stand. That's the only way that they can dissuade or discourage people from challenging them. What happened yesterday is something that you're not going to see the Democrats cheering for. They've accomplished nothing for police reform, and that's by design. Seeing a black person, a black woman in particular, having been murdered in her own home and her killer punished, you would think the Democrats ought to be celebrating it if you believe their rhetoric. But of course, they're not celebrating at all because the police are meant to protect and enforce a system of racial goodies, giveaways, and guarantees for those classified as white. And the people in government are the beneficiaries of that system. To a lesser degree, their bootlicking Negroes like the congressional black talkers also get a few crumbs. So they're going to do whatever is in masses' interest because they're getting a few crumbs out of it. See, they wouldn't be able to steal the wealth and live undeservedly cushy lives without armed criminals to stand between them and the people. So they don't really want the police punished any more than the white supremacists on Fox News do. They don't like it. Well, there's nothing they can do about it either. I, for one, have been loving reading the comments of these cowardly racists raging and complaining that Aaron Dean got more time in prison for murdering an armed black person than Amber Geiger did for murdering an unarmed black person. They see all the difference. They can see where this trend is going. They're upset about it. And it's music to my ears. And I got news for all you racist guys. I know a few of y'all like to lurk here. We're just getting started. In 2020, the streets rose up and imposed our will. And the echoes of those uprisings are still reverberating. The enemy is worried. They should be. We have effectively deprived them of the lies that they would try to use in court, meaning they have no legal defense. We have stripped them of that. Oh, yeah, all of these little lawyers who these police unions use, these 
legal whores who try to coach the police on what to say, you can go ahead and give them any talking point that you want. It won't help them. You have no legal defense. You're walking into court knowing that the deck is stacked against you. That's called justice. Now, we're nowhere near making sure that these criminals are going to be punished to the fullest extent of the law, but progress is being made. And that's because people have stopped listening to the white media. They stopped allowing the propaganda arm for white supremacy to demoralize them. This is what I mean when I say that I'm more interested in what we're doing than what the enemy is up to, and this is why. All the racists and other criminals who have slithered into police departments, they have made it a point to wage war on black people, and finally we're beginning to push the scumbags back. And we're not allowing the white media or these slimy DAs to tell us the right punishment, what it should be for them. We know what justice is. And we won't stop pushing until we get it on our terms. Now, Tatiana Jefferson and her father have not received justice, but they have received some small measure of retribution. And for that, I think they can both rest a little bit easier now. But we can't rest at all. There's plenty of other Aaron Deans out there. We see them online and on TV. We have a lot more of them who need to be punished before we can claim that our work is done. This case shows us the momentum is in our favor. We've seen with each one of these trials that the result is a harsher penalty each time. It's getting harsher and harsher on them. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Because every victory fuels the next victory. And every defeat fuels the next defeat. And right now, the enemy can see that at this rate, there are so many more L's yet to come. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Aisha Sarpong, Emily, Andrew Murphy, Najee95, and Mark Singleton. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. Hello, soldiers. I'm the professor, and this is the moment of truth. Harvey Weinstein has been convicted of rape for the second time this time in Los Angeles. His lawyers did a good job in trying to get the charges all dismissed, knock them out, throw out whatever they could. But when one of your accusers is Governor Gavin Newsom's wife, well, stick a fork in him, boys. He's done. Now, when the woman who's sleeping with the highest elected official in the state is one of your accusers, that puts you in a tight spot. Seems the old saying is true after all. Powerful men make powerful enemies. That's a two-edged sword. Not only are powerful men powerful enemies, but powerful men tend to have powerful enemies. So that saying is both a warning to the powerless and powerful alike. I guess Harvey Weinstein wasn't paying much attention. Poor Harvey. He was already serving major time in New York, and they yanked him out of his cell just so they could throw more years on top of that. Boy, he must have tipped off a lot of people over the decades. Now, the white media went into phony hysterics over Bill Cosby, a man who doesn't run any studios, a man who doesn't have the power to hire or fire anyone, a man who didn't have the power to greenlight a TV show or a movie, a man who didn't wreck anyone's career and didn't coerce anyone into having sex with him. Meanwhile, they just don't have the same energy for Harvey Weinstein, a man who Hollywood has known for the longest time as a sexual predator. Where are the black feminists at? The same ones who had all that phony outrage for Bill Cosby are nowhere to be seen now. There's two reasons for that. They understand now that whatever temporary boost to their careers that they thought they were going to get aren't going to materialize. 
See, the black feminists are inventions of white power. They know better than to call themselves speaking against a white studio executive or celebrity. After all, these are the people who have the power to give you a job. And hey, their white feminist pals wouldn't like that. They know better than to speak out of turn. They're just clout chasing. That's why they're all teeth whenever they're around their masters, or I mean their buddies, like Rose McGowan. They'll gladly be the attack dogs for white power and demonize any black man accused of, well, nothing. And then they'll lie through their teeth and claim that they're only doing it because, well, they've got to protect black women and girls because nobody else is. And then when you point out that black actresses like Lupita Nyong'o have accused Harvey Weinstein of menacing them, people like Tarana Burton get combative and say, well, why is it my job to go after white men? No one's telling you to go after white men. They're telling you to go after the people who are menacing black women, whoever they may be. So there you have it. They'll protect black women and girls, unless it's a white media executive who they want a book deal or a TV show from, in which case, well, black women and girls, you're on your own. Kind of like how these black feminists haven't been very vocal about the murder of a Tatiana Jefferson. Yeah, when you're trying to sell the swirler intersectional lifestyle, well, sticking up for a Tatiana Jefferson against Aaron Dean ain't on the menu. You don't see any of them making spectacles of themselves like they did during the Cosby trial. And speaking of people who have been real quiet, lest we forget, it was people like Agent DuVernay who not so long ago talked about how they loved Harvey Weinstein. Well, back when he was in a position to hand her a directing gig, yep, back then she admitted she had heard all the stories, but she was still a fan. As she saw it, Harvey was still the man, and she wanted to be on his good side. But when he lost his power, lost his standing in the entertainment world, and couldn't offer her anything, she began singing a different tune. There's somebody else who isn't singing at all, and that's Kamau Bell. He was so proud of himself after Paramount's subsidiary, Showtime, gave him some money and airtime to put out his fiction fantasy show masquerading as a so-called documentary about Bill Cosby. And just for the record, Paramount is the same company that owns CBS, too, which was run by the infamous sexual predator Les Moonves, or as I like to call him, Molester Moonves. Notice how Kamal Bell didn't make a documentary about Moonves? And notice how nobody else in the white media is doing so either? In the early weeks of Me Too, all we heard about were white media executives and white media personalities like Matt Lauer and Charlie Rose. These white media figures were being disgraced, forced to resign under a cloud of shame. They were the face of sexual predation because they're the ones who have the power to coerce women into doing what they want in the entertainment business. But then these same white media executives, seeing themselves getting forced out of their jobs, watching as they were losing their standing and prestige, they hatched a plan and began to use the very media outlets that they control to manufacture a fake distraction and put all the attention on black men instead and get it off of themselves. You can tell there was a program at work because it was happening across the board. So the white media bought and paid for these smear campaigns against black targets. Kamau Bell was part of that. A black face for the white media to hide behind. But nobody was fooled by him and he got lit up for the part that he played in all this. He's been traumatized by how badly he got drugged. He's blocked people like me. So since Kamal Bill was so eager to tell everyone that he just wanted to do an expose about men with power and how they abuse it, then he ought to be waiting to do a follow-up about Harvey Weinstein. Except he doesn't want to. He'll do whatever his white media paymasters tell him to do. He'll be the front man for whatever nonsense they want him to promote. 
And since they're not offering any money to be the front man to talk about Harvey Weinstein, let's move this, Kamal Bill ain't saying nothing about it. Kamal Bill knows exactly why the white media gave him that money to go after Bill Cosby. He also knows that by distracting attention off of the Harvey Weinsteins and others, he was hoping to give these sexual predators a whole bunch of room so they could slither away and escape any ramifications for their actions. Well, we're not letting this fall down the memory hole. Because Harvey Weinstein wasn't the only white media figure to be taking it on the chin in the last few days. Former Oscar-winning screenwriter and disgraced rapist Paul Haggis had his name stripped off of a park that was named after him in his own hometown. Now that's just sad. His own hometown, the place that he was born and grew up in, are so ashamed of him that they've removed his name from a park that they had named after him. And he was also stripped of an honorary degree that he'd been given by Fanshawe College, who have also canceled the scholarship that they had in his honor. But I bet you haven't heard about any of this, have you? An Oscar-winning screenwriter, who, by the way, among many other people, he's written screenplays for Clint Eastwood. And this guy gets his name stripped from a park and a scholarship, and he loses his honorary degree. But the white media pretends like it didn't happen because Paul Haggis isn't black. It doesn't fit the narrative. When Bill Cosby was going through that, it was wall-to-wall trash like Judd Apatow saying he needs to lose even more. They couldn't wait to pile on, repeat whatever misfortune that they had manufactured against him from the rooftops. Dave Chappelle had his old school's performing arts center come under fire for planning to name it after him. But Paul Haggis gets found liable for rape and has a park that was named after him taken out of his name. And apparently the white media could care less about that. And keep in mind, Paul Haggis is not facing any criminal charges. Oh, there were some charges against him in Italy. He was detained briefly, but they let him go because genetic immunity from law. And in the United States, there's no criminal charges pending. There's nobody who's looking at this civil case and saying, ah, you know, last time this happened to Bill Cosby, there was a civil case against Cosby, and we used that as a springboard to put some criminal charges on him. Let's do that to Paul Haggis. They're not trying to do that. They're not trying to tee him up for a prison sentence. It's a matter of there's been a civil case, and well, that's pretty much as far as it goes. No rampant white media speculation. Nobody running up in Clint Eastwood's face saying, hey, your buddy who wrote that movie, Million Dollar Baby, for you. What do you think about him? Uh, Should he be in prison? They're not doing that. They're not trying to get everybody to denounce him because they never do unless the person that they're trying to smear is black. Then all of a sudden they need to run up in the face of everybody that person never knew and say, well, do you defend him? Do you stand by him? I'm pretty sure Bill Cosby never had a park named after himself. The fact that that even happened is just wild and newsworthy in and of itself that the white media is in the business of protecting white power and that protection begins with protecting white power's image. They must push the lie that black people and black men in specific are the worst of the worst. Whatever is bad in the society, black people are doing it the most and doing it worse than anyone else. That way, when one of Clint Eastwood's screenwriter pals gets found liable for rape in a court of law, the white media can ignore that and try to see if there's some black man they can fabricate a headline against. And if they can't find one, then they'll just go ahead and ignore the Paul Haggises and the Harvey Weinsteins and try to pretend like it didn't happen. These are one-and-done stories because the white media needs them to be. This is not news. It's racist propaganda. When they try to demonize us, make them pay a price for it. Make sure whenever the white media or some chump online calls themselves aiming the dirt into the stick of black people, 
You remind them of all these sexual predators and disgraced rapists that they refuse to talk about. Because they won't mention them. And we all know why. Good day, and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Eye for an Eye, Raleigh Churchwell, Finian Rancheron, Montrez Braxton, and Jean-Flo Raval. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. self-esteem or something really going on for yourself, you make better choices than women, bruh. It's women everywhere. In the United States, you literally don't have to hop a boat or a pigeon. It's really women inside of the United States who are dumb enough to date you. Beautiful, too. Out here submitting. What problem, bruh? You are the problem. You think if you get on a flight or a boat and you go over to another country, you will stop being the problem? I'm sorry. I'm the bearer of bad news. Hunty. All right, I'm gonna go pissed off because I don't want to talk about the female again, you know. She's just pathetic and a loser. And uh, you know, that's why I say it's uh, you know, be the deal for uh she faked her own death. She faked her own death and then was too arrogant to stay uh socially dead, right? She did not sell social media enough to be heard. And you know, it's just bullshit people. Send her money for uh, GoFundMe and GoFundMe and all this bullshit for the supposed to send on that never happened. And uh, she just gets away with it. She's gonna fucking drag Omar Johnson for never coming up with a school and, you know, I'm still waiting for sorry to use them. I gotta talk about this fucking bitch, okay? She's wearing like uh, 200,000 of uh, war paint and shit. She's all fucked up and the hairline is on strike. Yeah, that's fucking hairline is on strike, man. 
Like, don't you guys get it twisted, man? Like, we need all that fucking makeup. That, like, just get that shit from the, the uh, desert, you know, the uh, Arizona somewhere. They just freak from out blocks in Arizona, put on this big pick up on this big face. They don't fuck up uh, eyebrow faces. What they like to have now? They just big, weird ass cartoon, uh, anime eyebrows that you like to have. Fucking ridiculous. I guess, I don't know what they're going for. So, Sponsor Ray just uh, fucked around and, and got my eyes. She even got the eye of Sauron on her fucking ass because uh, she runs a channel called Black Macho. You know, and uh, it has a male face on it, but it's her channel. Because, you know, a lot of people don't want to see her fucking ass because she is, you know, she's a loser. And so, you know, I can just, just give this little bit of a drag to it. You know, watch out for this channel. This is not a male channel. She's just a female and gives, you know, online drag. She's a trans, she's a trans man on social media. She's pretending to be a man. I sponsored I mean, her information is there and shit. But she knows, like, who's going to peruse the about information on this fucking page? All right? So what you do, you get there and you start watching She has, like, TikTok clips, uh, TikTok clips, excuse me, of shit that, you know, goes with her, the standard worldview. You know, this guy says, like, shit like men are saying, but it's not men are saying this shit. It's really her mind view and shit. Excuse me, face as a shield and shit. You know, and every time nowadays, because of her hubris, her unchecked hubris, uh, she pops up and, you know, talking shit. Like, she's some kind of authority on anything. You know, sisters, they, they, uh, they can be sensitive, but I'm so I don't know what you'll call a female sensitive. If anybody knows, what you'll call a female championship. You have to hear my comments section. But like a lot of black women that, that support this kind of bullshit, like I don't know what the fuck's going on with your in your head shit. Because this woman has crept with your ass so many times about money and all this shit. And validated because you're the Tony Sotomayor. Right? Right? Every time you, you give her a live, you, you take her out, you go to one of her shitty lives where she talks about shit. She don't know why her life is a minute for it. You know? You know? Don't see no stuff. That's it. What else can I say? If you guys blind, you say anything that, you know, makes you feel better about yourself instead of facing the truth that you guys need to uh, have some serious conversations and, and work it out and shit, okay? I mean, you've already run off a portion of your men, and the, 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 the second portion of them. It's just saying fuck it and shit and being uh, voluntarily uh, getting out of the uh, getting out of your lane, as you would say. All that bullshit, all that chaos you guys want to bring to these men and shit. They, they're opting out of that shit. Even if they can't leave the country. They're just saying fuck you. Even not, even to the point of not dating now. Just not doing it. Just laying flat. You know, doing other things and shit. Watching online porn and shit. Jerking off and shit. You know, it's better than, you know, Rolling the dice and you know, like going up in your peace and shit. Wherever that shit is been. And you know, I don't know what to say. But you know, I was irritated that she popped up talking about the passport and this and shit. And she probably don't even have a fucking passport. Right? She's a failed booty model and you know, a bunch of other shit. You guys gonna keep uh, you know, you keep monetizing her shit. She shouldn't even have a presence on the platform. Anyway, I was just pissed off and shit, you know, if you see Black Marshall and shit, put the fucking page up. If you see that shit, there's just no news. This is really 
uh, on Chris. This is a uh, catfish, right? By a scam artist who actually pretended to be dead. Yes, the niggas who love the heat 